There's a cold silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is the 22nd of October 2008. For newcomers listening to the show, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com website and you'll find lots of previous talks I've given on this big matrix system, the one that really covers all true reality by deceptions. Not so much just conspiracy, but it's all done by deception and stealth, as they like to call it. Also look into Alan Watts sent in sentinel.eu for transcripts you can download and print up, written in the various languages of Europe. Now, for those who find the audio is difficult tonight, there's trouble uh, on the lines at RBN, and they're trying to rectify that. So if you can still make out what I'm saying, later on tonight I will upload a clearer version from my end uh, onto the, my website and you can pick it up there and there are so many topics to choose from because we are on a roll to this brave new world that most think most people think is just developing by itself some unseen force goes tumbling down through the ages and we just end up where we are and nothing is further from the truth because if you look at even ancient pharaohs they had priests all around them who were advisors and these different priesthoods were specialists in different areas no different than today we have advisors around presidents and prime ministers and advisors know way more about the agenda than often the front man does himself and I've always mentioned in Freemasonry number two is more important than number one you find that, as I say, in ancient times, they did plan what would to hap was to happen with their big empires, such as Egypt. And Egypt had a huge empire. And then the Persian empires, too, and all the different ones. They all planned long-term power control over the public. That's essential if you have gained power and if you are being kept in wealth and luxury by all those beneath you you must find ways to maintain that power and that's where priesthoods often came into play with religions religions that taught the public to obey the leaders religions that taught them this was the natural order of things and that was used even unfortunately down through the Christian era uh, up until pretty well recently Christianity as it stood a hundred years ago with its beliefs and its teachings is gone because it was heavily attacked by those who control behind the scenes. They had to destroy anything which reminded people of a past or even with a semblance of morality because in the new system, the public must truly believe there, there is no moral right or wrong. You can only bring a society under total subservience when you 
basically take them right down to, to the bottom of degradation. And when you think about all the stuff we watch on television and the media, we're brought up in this, we're weaned on violence and sex. The two must go together because both of those particular instincts originate in the same part of the brain, a very primitive part of the brain, as they call it. And they are used to the maximum today. So most people have grown up thinking that there is no true morality, there's neither right nor wrong, there's only outcomes, and someone benefits from the outcome. Guess who? Well, I'll be back with more to tell you after this break. This is cutting through the matrix. Before the break, I was mentioning how in all ages, those who rule over the people must find ways to maintain power and the use different techniques, including religion, with all of its taboos. They trained people in pre-Christian areas that uh, they'd never get even to reincarnation uh, stage. They'd come back as little amoebas if they went against the, against the king or the prince of the area in India and every country used the same techniques in fact if you go into the ancient histories of India and the Aryans people who came in to India the, some of them actually studied the people who were already there the Dravidians they called them and by studying their personalities and their nature and their customs they would then design, purpose make a uh, religion for them purpose built for them, for those particular people which might be different from the ones they'd create further on with a different tribe all to control them today people think they're free mainly because they keep, they keep being told they're free all countries tell their public that they're free and they've told them down through the last few centuries that your country is the best country in the world regardless of what country you live in and you like to believe that it's a nice thing you, you want to be bonded to your own social culture you want to believe that you truly are free but some are more freer than others in such societies and that will never change they're called the dominant minority in all ages we find Huxley at Berkeley giving a talk on this back in the 60s and he said there's always been a dominant minority and I don't see why it shouldn't continue in the future so how does that fit in with democracy well it doesn't you see democracy was a camouflage because the elite knew centuries ago that they couldn't just keep tabs on the public in the old fashioned ways which was sending out the king's men because people were getting more multitudinous and they were moving across the countries therefore they had to basically give them this thing called democracy and of course the elite would always supply the leaders for democracy and it would give the public a, a belief that somehow they had some say in their destinies and yet we have famous professors coming out like Professor Carl Quigley who 
writes about some of these societies that are all linked together, by the way, in their specialized compartments, talking about the CFR and how they've been behind wars, the creation of wars, and the push for global governance, and how they were tied in with what he called the Anglo-American establishment, and had been for centuries, and what their final goals were. And he himself, being a professor, not just a professor, but a professor who was an advisor to presidential advisors, and also to the State Department, he thought it was time the public knew that they were being guided by experts. He thought they'd accept that, and he probably was right, actually, because the public accept today, for sure, that they are guided by experts. And this idea was born out of think tanks in London, England, and one of their main spokesmen was Lord Bertrand Russell, who said that we are creating a society. We're purposely creating it. He and his fellow aristocracy he said society that won't be able to think or do anything for themselves without the advice of an expert and we cannot turn the television on not that you want to without some expert popping out and telling you how to dress for the day according to the weather and so on and so on therefore it was a way to bypass the idea of democracy if you can be implanted with it with the thought that the world is just too big the problems are so severe and complex that you're out of the picture you better leave it to the experts then you've just negated any idea of democracy and not only that the, the, the second pan, part, of the, or part of the strategy was to introduce non-governmental organizations that would be big big blocks within society who would then represent the people and of course their leaders too and their agenda would be run by the same elite that's happened as well that was inevitable if you don't belong to some party or organization or other you technically have no voice at all that was all planned and written about by those who gave us democracy a long time ago the Sovietized system is here it's a mixture of the Soviet bureaucratic class controlling the masses beneath them through government organizations and what once were called services that are now authorities exactly as Lenin predicted and you can't do anything now without permission you can get permission for many things if you're willing to pay a fee which is just a tax and suddenly that which is illegal becomes legal as long as you pay that fee People don't really think through very much in their lives at all. They do what everyone else is doing. And that's, that's really how their opinions are formed. Because opinion makers aim at the masses, knowing that most of them will never think through anything. And where are they going with all of this? Well, they've already told us, and Mr. Gorbachev told us recently at a meeting he was at, the same meeting where he told the people that he was not an accidental leader. He was put onto the world stage for a great purpose, as many others at that time were too. And that was to merge the Soviet system with that of the West. It was all pre-planned. 
and he also talked about uh, how the United States was not fulfilling its complete bargain because they had declared, he said, that this was to be a new American century and a new American empire. That was in his speech. Once again, it's interesting to see various journalists attending these meetings write down what's said, but they don't ask any questions like, what do you mean a new American empire? It's always the obvious things they omit, you see. The same thing as when Papa, Papa Bush mentioned the, the new world order coming into view in a thousand points of light. I don't think one reporter asked them what he meant. And what they're doing really is just simply talking in code to each other, not to the public. The public themselves won't ask the question, I wonder what he means. They'll switch channels and go off into the next thing. It's sad but true. And how did the public get to this stage? Because they have been brought up with television, the greatest propaganda tool ever devised, a, a tool which hypnotizes the viewer, a tool that can literally put predictive programming right into your mind and alter your behavior without you ever, ever understanding what's happening to you, even when you're enjoying what you think is fiction. Jax E. Lull, who was a great writer on many of these social topics and techniques that are used by the elites who understand these sciences, he went through so much of this. He said, every program you see on television, that's what's called a program, it programs you. He said on the police, on hospitals and so on, doctors, all these fictional things that you love to watch are all propaganda to leave you with a false impression, a fake perception. If you want to do searches, you can look into the PSYOPs, the official PSYOP sites, where they tell you a little bit, a very little bit about what they're up to. But they say that their job, their job is actually to distort and alter your perception of reality. How do you think it's done? The tools are already there, and it's mainly through fiction that you're programmed. It's interesting that recently in the British newspapers a man who was given some gay pride award for the nation a few years ago apparently had killed his lover and started to eat him. And you'd think that'd be all over the media, a sort of Jeffrey Dahmer type thing. But you see, there's, there's no reaction anymore from the public because we're so jaded. We've had so many fictional horrors and so on that nothing really affects us anymore. We're desensitized to horror. In fact, if anything, we're addicted to horror. We're actually addicted to it. Video games themselves, remember, were designed by the military to desensitize troops so that they would kill on sight in reality. We've watched our children being raised by these games, playing them constantly for an era when they would wear the uniforms of their heroes and go out and kill without a thought. But not only that, the morality itself that stopped that kind of behavior 
has been totally completely destroyed not just abandoned all on purpose too drug addicts often get their biggest high with the first shot or sniff or whatever it happens to be heavy coke users will tell you and crack users that they can never ever get that first high when, when they first used it everything else is a sliding scale down they become physically addicted but they can't get that same high and we have to understand that the, the brains of people work in a similar fashion when it comes to being stimulated from external sources stimulated to the extent where we are addicted to more and more violence sex until nothing touches us anymore we need a bigger fix back with more after this break hi folks I am Alan Watt and we're cutting through the matrix just before the break I was talking about how addicts need a, a bigger and bigger bigger fix always trying to to attain that perfect high that they got from the very first time they tried the drug and it's the same with people when they go into fiction they can't get enough of it the general movies bore them they can't watch a movie today with a good plot that's why you don't get movies with real plots in them anymore you simply get lots of smashing cars and things getting blown up and sex and violence and it's a very simple theme because the baddest guy with the biggest gun who's more aggressive than anyone else gets the beautiful lady that's how simple it is and that is a message as well but during the movies as I say you're also being programmed with different concepts pre-planned concepts in other words you've brought to various conclusions on aspects of society through social studies that you never even read you're simply given your conclusions on various topics because you don't work through and use reasoning to arrive at those conclusions they're downloaded straight into you and if you want to alter perception what you do is show something in a fictional setting when your sensor part of the brain is down and then you attach it to an emotion of great grief or whatever generally grief works good and that is fixed you have been, you've been given an opinion on any topic they want to give it to you that's how simple it is something that they knew back in the days of Shakespeare and all of his team I mentioned too how democracy was bypassed it was a fake thing to begin with because they said at the start that only the biggest groups within society would have a voice and guess who supplies the ones at the top of the groups the non-governmental organizations well the same ones who really run the world and if you think for a minute that the, the ultra incredibly wealthy people who've run this world for a long long time are going to share it with you uh, then just go back and watch your TV and goodbye power never gives itself up willingly it never shares government true government is run by secrecy why do you think every bureaucrat is sworn to secrecy 
why would you have to have so much secrets from the general public in every department why would you need public relations spokespeople to give press releases to the public why can't you go into the head of the department and just ask them a straightforward question it has to go through the spinner this is the person who spins it just to, so that it's correct or sound correct to the public and you won't be alarmed but it didn't stop there you see all the big powerful manufacturing organizations especially in electronics were set up very similar to the way that the big foundations are set up seemingly to be private but in reality they're all part of the military industrial complex and the CIA has fingers in every pie and MI6 does too because technology and they knew this a long long time ago could not be given a free hand to develop in any area that it wished especially when it could sell things to the public which would mean that the elite would start losing control over the public therefore it was decided at big meetings world meetings uh, that they would decide what technologies the public would buy we always buy our chains and our indoctrination and to what use it would be to those who already ruled the world and that's why they gave us the internet now for those who want to call don't call in tonight because there's a problem at RBN with the call-in phones and you'll sound a bit like Donald Duck and we don't want that so I'll just have to talk through this one and inform you along the lines I'm, I'm already talking about how the world is controlled and planned just like a big corporation will plan its investments and where it wants to expand up to 50 to 70 to 80 years in the future that's how it's done well it's even more so with those who rule the world on behalf of the power elite the big old families families whose wealth we can't imagine we run out of zeros when we follow the digits as to much they own it's, we can't even comprehend it and there are people in all classes of society who are born with psychopathy a trait however it's well known too uh, that you can breed traits in or out of the people and because the power elite took power sometimes thousands of years ago others joined them hundreds of years later it was mainly through warfare and plunder and slaughter and that's how they could eventually wear the crown so they heard they had traits of the psychopath within them and they naturally bred with each other they kept it in the family that way wealth is also concentrated within the same families and they pass on the psychopathic trait to their offspring and I hear the music coming so I'll continue with this after this break you're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network 
because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix trying to piece together the real world and how it really operates and to dispel the myths that everything just develops and you're brought up with a wonderland of purchasing power and items to buy that just magically appear on shelves for you to enjoy. There's always an ulterior purpose, especially when it comes to the electronic age that we live in. The first one, of course, was radio, used to the maximum during World War I for propaganda by the BBC. And from then on, we went on to television. Television. Where people can't tell the difference between reality and fiction anymore. They're so jaded and desensitized that horror can pass within seconds of a story before the next story comes and they can't retain it, it doesn't matter nothing shocks them anymore and they don't realize that what they're really doing is dehumanizing themselves because if you can't care for other people then who's going to care for you especially when you don't care yourself about yourself or maybe you do if you do, you got to wake up and realize what's done to others was it will eventually be done to you because that is the name of the game we've been under attack and managed like a herd and they call us a herd at the top in all the professions it's a herd mentality medicine teach the, in, to do with vaccinations and so on the herd immunity that's taught we are the herd we've lost our ability to stand on a pedestal above all other species and be grateful for the fact that we have senses that even the animals don't have and abilities you see we have choices the ability to choose the animals technically don't therefore our ability to choose has been knocked out is too bothersome and cumbersome because if you choose things there are consequences we don't like consequences so we leave all the big problems to the experts so that we can play and stay infantile forever and nothing shocks us anymore we watch country after country across the planet getting blown to smithereens under the guise of liberating them and it doesn't affect people at all in fact nothing except something happening right to them and around them will, will bother them at all and even then it's, it's the primary will be upset they can't watch television or their favorite show scientific indoctrination scientific so many people have talked about this ability to create opinions like Brzezinski now the public would never even know how they arrived at conclusions it would all be done for them downloaded basically Blavatsky talked about the same thing happening in one of her last writings or whoever wrote for her because there's a team of people involved there and as I say, the big electronic companies especially that gave us music to listen to and go through the rock, the pop, the rock, the rap, and so on, was all part of that because culture creation is, is part of warfare. It's all part of warfare. You can either raise up the standards 
of morality with with art or you can totally degrade the public when you're being degraded and it's done across the board from every source then you're under planned warfare that's how it works the CIA and MI6 created the biggest corporations that deal with anything to do with your emotion and your mind here's one article about some new toy they're giving the public we knew it was coming but listen to how it's put over for the public it's interesting very very interesting and this is from the cnn.com it's to do with it says US policymakers mall creation of domestic intelligence agency this is one of them this is one of them I'm going to go into another one in a minute people don't realize that Britain and then Canada and all Commonwealth countries created back in the 70s another intelligence agency that was to be it would hire from within the civilians in Canada is called CSIS this was done by Pierre Trudeau in Canada the same Pierre Trudeau who was the leader of the Comintern party for Canada back in the 1950s the one who led the delegation over to Moscow in 1952 to get his marching orders but he knew too the higher truths of Soviet system and that it would merge with the West as it was intended to do he played his part well but he started up a new intelligence service on advice no doubt by his masters and they hire people from all walks of life and within work settings a kind of internal Gestapo that watches and observes and pretends they're one of you professors were very important it's very important to always grab professors so they'll go along with agendas and teach the right things to the children so they can grow up never knowing the truth so lots of professors were brought on board and many of the CSIS agents are technically part time and they're grabbed at college and university and given lots of perks of course and then they go into the workforce and professions scattered through all professions and spy and then they help create organizations which again create public opinion on the speciality of the profession and it's all coordinated now the US is doing the same they already have the CIA you see and for decades and decades the CIA could not supposedly technically spy on its own people so here here's how they're getting around all of that not that, not that they've had much trouble getting around any of it since 9-11 says US policymakers mull creation of domestic intelligence agency it says uh, the United Kingdom has MI5 which roots out spies and terrorists in the British Isles the RAND Corporation said one option would be for domestic intelligence to operate under the FBI now the RAND Corporation is again a private organization that in its own writing says that it creates public policy for politicians to follow how does that fit in with democracy again how does the Club of Rome say the same thing they create uh, manifestos for 
politicians and governments to follow. The Royal Institute for International Affairs does the same thing in Britain and the CFR for the US. Where is a democracy? There is no democracy. How can they possibly create public opinion and create public policy? That's the term, public policy for politicians to follow. We don't vote these guys in. You can't get into their meetings. They won't ask you to join them. I'll continue with the story. Now, the Rand Corporation, too, were the same boys, these jokers that gave us game theory during the, the 60s and 70s. The idea being that general populists were consistent, consisted of individuals who were so egocentric they couldn't care less about other people. If not, they'd make them so. And the model they used was after a game invented by a paranoid schizophrenic. I'm not kidding. You couldn't dream this up. So here's the Rand Corporation again, uh, putting together a policy to create a new intelligence agency within the United States of America. It says Canada, Canada has CSIS, we call it Big CIS here. And it says now Congress is asking, should the U.S. have its own domestic intelligence agency? On Monday, the request of Congress, the Rand Corporation, outlined the pros and cons of establishing a domestic intelligence agency, also discussed different ways to organize a new entity, either as part of an existing department or as a new agency. But there's one thing you won't find in the report, a recommendation on what to do. No, that'll be a different report that the public will never hear of. The very fact we're hearing this means it's already basically set up. I can guarantee you that. Since we were not asked to make a recommendation, and this assessment does not do so, the report says. Instead, says Rand's Gregory Treverton, the report provides a framework for policymakers to use when deciding whether and how to reorganize counterintelligence efforts at home. Counterintelligence efforts at home. I've given many, many talks on what counterintelligence is. You see, the gather intelligence, that, in other words, topics that are popular amongst the public, information that's popular and getting passed around, and then if it's dangerous to those who rule, they must come up with propaganda to counter it, to discredit it, or add something to it that makes it sound absolutely silly. And I've talked about that before too. RAND is a non-profit think tank, a non-profit think tank that just has all our well-being at heart, seeking to help improve policy and decision-making through objective research and analysis. Collecting intelligence domestically always has been a sensitive issue, at least partially because of episodic abuses by the government, not kidding, notably against civil rights leaders, unions, anti-war organizations, or even communists and hate groups. But the September 11, 2001 attacks renewed call for increased domestic intelligence to prevent future attacks. Craig said that in the lead up to the attacks, the FBI devalued counterterrorism agents and failed to heed signs that an attack was imminent, utter nonsense. If you didn't carry a gun, you didn't count so much, Treverton said. After the attacks, the FBI moved to transform its primary mission from law enforcement to counter-terrorism, intelligence and prevention, and now focuses on terrorism through its national security branch and the National Counter-Terrorism Center. 
have you looked up how many branches are dealing with terrorism and, and is it dawning you there's way too many for whatever however many terrorists are on the globe you see it's all to do with controlling the public and finding out all about you to see if you're safe and predictable for totalitarian system every person every citizen must be predictable in their behavior and have gone through their own reports again from the Pentagon in the past telling you that they have more data on you and they have a complete double of you a doppelganger in a computer in this virtual world where they can predict your movements even have your predictable friends in there it says the RAND report focuses on two options to the current system in one a new agency would be created using intelligence agents from the FBI Department of Homeland Security and Intelligence Community a second option is to create an agency within an agency in the FBI or DHS the first option would result in an organization with a clear unambiguous mission and might be able to draw on a more diverse recruitment pool such as linguists and historians who are not normally attracted to law enforcement see historians too linguists professional people on the flip side such massive reorganizations typically involve political compromises that could affect its performance the second option an agency within an agency could involve less short-term disruption but could be hindered by a lack of clarity of a single mission the report says Rand also suggests a range of actions short of reorganization that could improve domestic intelligence gathering such as increasing resources, improving leadership and changing bureaucratic cultures. It does not assess the FBI's performance since 9-11, Treverton said, but he believes Congress should seek an independent assessment. So it goes on and on and on. So when you have these agencies working inside society with two paychecks one from their employer where they work with you and another one for their bosses in the shadowy government then you're really really in trouble that's how the Soviet system was run and if you said anything at work that was not politically correct even in a joke you were hauled up and you paid for it you paid for it getting back to all the toys they give us and people think it's so swell and it's all for them and unfortunately the young are addicted to them it's meant to addict the young uh, this is from Yahoo News and AFP on October the 9th it says here Makuhari, Japan willpower is set to replace fast fingers in a new video game in which players move characters through a headset that monitors their brain waves California based NeuroSky Incorporated showed off the new headset named Mindset at the Tokyo Game Show the industry's biggest exhibition which opened near the Japanese capital Thursday this monitors whether the, focus, the player is focused or relaxed and accordingly moves the character on a personal computer we brought this new game to the show as a new interface, a new platform for game creators. Now, they could have bypassed all of this and given you the chip, but they've got to do it a step at a time until you want the chip, you see. 
It says children's games using the system will hit the U.S. market next year. We're exploring the use of brainwaves in the game industry because games are fun and so close to people, he said. Once people get used to the idea of using brainwaves for various applications, I hope we will see various products using this technology. Then he says, here's how they're going to use it. In distance learning courses, for example, teachers could monitor whether students were attentive, Ito said. Train drivers and motorists could use it to judge their stress levels and alertness, he added. To understand if, if it's in cars, it'll be broadcasting. Do you realize this is a whole new tool the police will use? They'll pull you over and give you a ticket for being nervous. I'm not kidding. This is what's coming. <coughs> then it says Japan's Kyo University put similar technology to use this year to let a paralyzed man take a virtual stroll on the popular Second Life website with the machine reading what he wanted to do with his immobile legs. This is all created by the military industrial complex because they, they love to help the poor sick people. Isn't that amazing, eh? And that's how they sell this rubbish to you. Neuroskai said the mindset could help people with other types of disabilities. For people with difficulty speaking, this can be a tool for communication, Ito said. They can hardly talk now. If you listen to them, you've got linguistic minimalism. Ito was hopeful that technology would eventually go on sale outside the United States, and prices have not been announced. They should give all this stuff to us. After all, they want us to have it. We should be given free television sets and high definition and all the rest of the stuff that we're given. Because there's a purpose behind it. It's culture creation, but directed towards an actual ending of the old man to bring in the new. The new Dumbos, that is. Back with more after this break. This is cutting through the matrix, giving you the reality that's going on around us as all your rights are stripped away and you're treated like a peon, a happy peon, mind you, because most people are pretty happy and they can go and play and watch their favorite movies and soaps and dramas and all the rest of it. There's never been such a happy populace of domesticated species as humankind is right now. But that's not going to last forever. A few years ago, there was, well, actually it was about 18 years ago maybe, there was a movie put out, a science fiction movie, and they always give you predictive programming, they show you what's coming. And it was about a totalitarian system, a world government, and I can remember a helicopter landing on a, on a, a landing pad and there was a swastika there. And the good guys were holed up somewhere because there was a plague outbreak, you see. Maybe someone can catch on in this movie and find out the name of it for me. And the good guys were getting infected by this virus or something. And in came the military and they released billions of mosquitoes to give the antidotes. And that's how they were cured. That's how they cured the people. I thought, how interesting. We'll see that in the future. Because you always can bet on that. that the guys who dream up these stories don't have a great imagination. They attend uh, big organizations like the Futurist Society where they're given uh, the, the reality of what's coming down, 
was planned to come down and they write stories around it well here's an article from Yahoo News on the 22nd of October it says flying syringe mosquitoes other ideas get Gates funding that's Bill Gates the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation awarded $100,000 each on Wednesday to scientists in 22 countries, including funding for a Japanese proposal to turn mosquitoes into flying syringes, delivering vaccines. Isn't that nice? Now, I've given talks on the past. One, one book I've mentioned on bacteria and viral warfare is Canada's Secret War, Deadly Allies. It goes into the, the fact that Canada led to this field, including the breeding of special mosquitoes to carry, guess what, for the, the military-industrial complex, disease. Yep. So here they are going to tell you they're going to breed mosquitoes and turn them into flying syringes to help you. The same people, mind you, who want to reduce the population drastically, drastically, they've even said it, Bertrand Russell said himself, it's a pity there's not another black death. Too many people. Mr. Rockefeller, and I gave the link to the video just a week ago, is talking at one of the big meetings saying the same thing. Well, you see, in the old days, disease and poverty and hunger used to kill them off, but all this medicine is helping them live longer. Oh dear, dear, something must be done. He doesn't volunteer to go first, mind you. So big foundations, as I mentioned before, are behind the direction of policy. That's what Weishaupt and others talked about, the creation of big foundations that would direct the policies of governments. Because who can attack a charity? It's like attacking mum's apple pie. You can't do it. That's why they always go behind charitable foundations. If you look into all the charities that Bill and Melinda Gates have given to the United Nations, they all went to population reduction and population control and abortion. Look it up for yourself. Quite fascinating. And here they are, going to breed all these mosquitoes to, to help us. Somehow I don't trust them. Do you? Well, I hear the music coming in, and that's it for me tonight, where it snowed the other day in Canada, up here where I am. From Hamish myself, it's good night, and may your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>